So what the research says burnout is, is a triad. So the first leg of the triad is exhaustion. And exhaustion can be physical, mental, emotional. It's usually all of them. But if that was all it was, the whole world would be burned out. There's actually two more pieces here. So there's the second leg of the triad called cynicism. And this is when it's also referred to as depersonalization. So when somebody has been exhausted for some time and they've exhausted their own coping mechanisms, a little voice starts to enter, which is the cynicism saying things like, it doesn't really matter how much effort I put in anyway, it's not going to make a difference. And it's almost one of those subtle things that enters that starts having you distance yourself from other people because socializing is just too much work. And so there's a distancing that happens. There's a, this doesn't matter anyways. And so now cynicism has creeped in. And the third uh, piece of burnout is ineffectiveness where you literally are unable to function in the way that you used to be. Welcome to a brand new episode of the None of Your Business podcast. Sean and Lacey here with you, just like we are each and every week. Super excited for this particular episode because I know that today's episode is going to speak to so, so many of you. A common thing that we hear all the time is, I just feel so burned out. Now, I got to be honest, this podcast is for me in a lot of ways, not because I feel burned out. But because oftentimes I don't understand what that means. Mm -hmm. Like people are like, I'm just so burned out. Sean, you get it, right? Don't you ever get burned out? I'm like, I don't know. I don't think so. Like, I love this. This is great. And it's it's an interesting thing. And it also makes me really sad to see people that get into something. They're really passionate about it. And then that very thing that they're passionate about is the thing that burns them out. But then it all almost becomes like the enemy. Yeah. Right. Because it's like, oh, I don't like the thing anymore. There's no more joy in it. Yeah. Well, good news. There are solutions for anybody out there who can identify with that. If you're like Sean, I totally get it. You don't understand. I get it. Well, today's guest, Dr. Neha Singwan, she has so many insights to offer anybody who is in that boat. In fact, she's built her career around understanding this concept and helping people to navigate, manage, understand, overcome these situations that, and I'm, I'm interested, do we mislabel them as burnout? So I want to know what it is. We're going to talk about this because you know I'm a big proponent of defining terms. Defining terms, yes. yes. So, so we're going to ask her that for and, sure. And she has a new book yep. that we're excited about. So we'll be talking about that. So let's bring her in. Dr. Neha Singh Wan, thanks so much for joining us. 
Hi guys, great to see you. Good to see you. So before we jump into what is burnout, obviously Lacey and I are like super excited to discuss this, but we have to give everybody some background. We start every podcast with the exact same questions. We'll do the same with you. Um, because one of the things that um, as you are on this media tour, you're going around, you're being on podcasts, you're, you're positioned for some really big media placements. One thing that's easy is when we see you on the television, we see you on our computer screens, we're listening to you on major podcast platforms. It's easy for us to think, well, that's because you, Neha, have all of the advantages that us burned out people that we don't have. <laughs> so easy for you to say. And what we've encountered is that um, oftentimes we are disconnected because of media from the true story of how you ended up here. So let's begin with a little bit about your creation story. How do you end up being Neha Sengwan, the expert that is sharing your expertise all over the globe? <laughs> all right. It's like, how far back do I go? Right. <laughs> um, well, what I would say is uh, it's a combination of my own personal experience burning out and me spending the last 20 years really trying to understand what happened. How did it all end up that way? And why did I never get taught this in medical school? And why, when I burned out, did I not get the help I needed from the very institution that I thought after years and years of studying in had to have the answer? Mm. And what I really found in the end was um, there were some gaps. They could help me in certain areas, but in other areas, not so much. And so I have now for 20 years and, and really for the last six and a half years, been writing a book to delineate just that. What have I learned and where are the gaps and how can I help other people? Yeah. So tell us a little bit about that. Like I, we said in the intro, I'm really big on understanding what terms mean. So if we're talking about burnout, I feel like burnout can be so different from one person's experience to the other or how they're expressing that or how they feel that or how they define that. So in your research and in your journey, how would you define the term burnout? Well, let's, let's just start with the research. So what the research says burnout is, is a triad. So the first leg of the triad is exhaustion. And exhaustion can be physical, mental, emotional. It's usually all of them. But if that was all it was, the whole world would be burned out. There's actually two more pieces here. So there's the second leg of the triad called cynicism. And this is when it's also referred to as depersonalization. So when somebody has been exhausted for some time and they've exhausted their own coping mechanisms, a little voice starts to enter, which is the cynicism saying things like, it doesn't really matter how much effort I put in anyway, it's not gonna make a difference. And it's almost one of those subtle things that enters that starts having you distance yourself from other people because socializing is just too much work. And so there's a distancing that happens. There's a, this doesn't matter anyways. And so now cynicism has creeped in. And the third 
uh, piece of burnout is ineffectiveness, where you literally are unable to function in the way that you used to be. And so the triad is exhaustion, cynicism, and ineffectiveness. And not only that, people will say to me, well, I was fine on Monday morning, but boy, I was burnt out by Friday. That's not how burnout works either. (laughs) Your biology doesn't work that way. Our biology is so smart. It adjusts and it adjusts and it adjusts and it keeps working to adjust to whatever we're experiencing. So burnout is something that happens over time. And that is going to happen over three phases. So three phases. The first one is the alarm phase. It's almost like jumping on a treadmill that's going a little bit too fast. And it's like your heart races, your blood pressure goes up. You know, you might start sweating. You're really a little bit alarmed and you're adjusting to the speed being faster than you were anticipating. If you stay on that treadmill metaphorically in your life at that speed, which most people do, and they gradually keep turning it up by like 0.1.1.1. Over time, you move into the second phase of burnout which is called adaptation. Adaptation is when you are literally hanging on by a thread over time because you're not rejuvenating, you're not resting. You know, Sean, you were speaking about this earlier, but sometimes when people are really, really passionate about whatever they're doing, sometimes they're entrepreneurs, sometimes, you know, there's just a lot going on in their lives. And so they keep going at that faster and faster pace and they keep adjusting, but now they are squarely in the chronic adaptation phase. And then it only takes one more thing. And whether it's a global pandemic or one more thing going wrong, one more thing on their plate, they slide into the third phase, which is exhaustion. And that leads you down the slippery slope to ineffectiveness. It's really interesting because something that really stuck out for me is that you said exhaustion also means exhausting your own personal coping mechanisms. And I thought to myself, Mm -hmm. I've never heard it described that way, but that's exactly what you see in individuals when they get to that point. They just don't know how to, to cope anymore and utilize the things that they always leaned on to get them through, right? So I'm wondering that if that first phase is the alarm phase, what kinds of typical signs or yellow flags happen in individuals for them to begin to recognize this? Because when I work with my clients, that's one of the things that they have difficulty in doing is identifying when they're moving into that phase. They like ignore all the things in their physiology, in their uh, m- mental and emotional abilities to handle things that are telling them you're getting to this burnout. So like, what do you see or have you seen in individuals that's very common that people can begin to recognize? Yeah. So, uh, just simply, it would be things like heart racing, stomach turning, uh, GI issues, sometimes headaches. But the thing I really want people listening to know is anytime you have these kinds of physical signals, you first have to get a clean bill of health. You need your physical health checked. Mm -hmm. 
once you have that taken care of, if your provider says something to you like, oh, you're fine. I ran the tests and they're fine, but you know you're not fine. Then you start thinking about phase one of burnout, but you wouldn't go straight to burnout and then miss something catastrophic in your physical health. Right. So if you're having those experiences, you might find yourself in the alarm phase of burnout as more irritable. Suddenly you're snapping at people and you're like, oh, why did I do that? Uh, you may find yourself struggling to get through the day. Maybe you're coming in a little early, you're leaving later. It's a little harder to make it through. You've missed a deadline. You might've even missed an appointment. That's unlike you. I remember just realizing I had missed something as simple as my hair appointment. I never do that. I look forward to that downtime. I can relax and someone else has it handled. And I missed the entire appointment. And I thought, okay, Neha, pay attention. You're doing too much. And so something that's unusual, unlike you, uh, that's really how you can tell in the alarm phase that you're starting to feel like things are moving too fast. Let's talk about how this happens, right? So now I understand what it would look like. Um, how does somebody end up in burnout? Is it just simply I'm logging too many hours at work or am I not getting enough rest? Like, what are some of the dangers that can lead to this? Yeah, so that's a great question. I'm gonna, I'm gonna bridge uh, what Lacey just said to that. So if I start acting that way and noticing that things are kind of getting to be too much, I'm coming in uh, late, maybe I'm leaving late, things are taking me longer than they used to, I usually start by ramping up my coping mechanisms. So I'll say to the barista, can you make it a double today? If I had one glass of wine to take the edge off at night, now I'm saying, um, I'll, take three, I'll take two, just hand me the bottle, right? And so we don't really think about it because right. it's such a gradual, it doesn't really feel like, oh, anything's different. It just means I just had an extra stressful day. And so when you're using more of your coping mechanisms, even if they're the same ones that you were using before, pay attention. Because now you've moved into that chronic adaptation phase. And yes, ultimately then, you know, do that for long enough. You're outgrowing your coping mechanisms. Things that used to work before don't work anymore. And so Tell me the question one more time. Uh, well, well, I have a. I want to. I want to switch my question actually <laughs> because you brought up coping mechanism, okay. um, and and yep. I don't know if those were just you know some examples, but you know the examples that you used. You know, I'm going to have a, a drink at alcohol, night. Let me yeah. hit the the caffeine or the energy drinks. Typically, amongst at least in the health and wellness space, those those would be viewed as negative. Are there positive or or better coping mechanisms because it would be hard for I mean, me to see that like over time like yeah i just drink caffeine and yep that just kept me from getting into burnout seems like that just kind of delays me the inevitable like maybe like obsession around working out or exercise or like meditation like yeah. are there some better healthier coping mechanisms that actually can help me stave off the adaptation phase 
So yes, um, this the chronic adaptation phase. Well, first of all, you have to notice that you're you're moving at a pace that feels faster than your biology can handle. Mm. So when you start taking external things or using surfing the net or doing doing things to just kind of check out or continue forward at a at this fast fast pace the first thing you got to do is you got to slow down and check in check into your body because if you slow down which is not what people want to do it goes against everything that they want to do um if you know how to decipher the language the unique language of your own body that's how you're going to figure out what you need so yes there are ways to reground yourself. There are soft belly breathing, meditation, uh, guided imageries, so many things to do that will reground your physiology and bring you back into balance so that you can do what you're doing over time and do it sustainably. So absolutely there are. Now here's a trick. If so, let's say someone runs, to feel better because they it's the way they channel their stress. Too much of anything can become a coping coping mechanism, especially if you un, if you don't understand why you're doing it. So let's say I got in a conflict with the both of you. I really like you. I really want things to go well, but I am too scared to have the conversation with you. So when I'm uncomfortable, I go for a run. Awesome. When I finish my run, I look better. I have more muscles. I'm more calm. The world reveres me. But unless I can go back in the room and have a conversation with you two, I'm going to be running for a really long time. Because mm -hmm. what I'm running from is the conversation with the two of you. Mm -hmm. So you got to know, are you running? because it feels good in your body and you enjoy it and it helps you relieve your stress of the day? Or are you running from something? Mm -hmm. Because there won't be any amount of running that will be enough for that. Yeah. So burnout happens often when we're trying to use one thing to take care of another. So you spoke at the top of the uh, podcast about people who are really passionate about something right? So maybe perhaps an entrepreneur, you have a cause, you have something you're really excited about. What's really important is that you're not putting so much of yourself there so you can avoid loneliness at home because you'd really love a relationship. But since you don't have one, you're going to throw yourself into work. And then you wonder why you burn out there too. So are you running from something? You're running to something? Do you have what you truly need in your life? Or are you using something as a way to cover up the pain of something else? Because then you're going to get out of balance. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? 100%. Oh, absolutely. And it's interesting because it doesn't matter if the thing that you're doing is considered healthy by, you know, societal terms, but if it still utilizes a coping mechanism, that's actually unhealthy because of the reasoning behind it. And that's that what I'm hearing sense. you say, huh? That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. You could, I mean, that was what I was saying. Like alcohol, caffeine might be 
seen as through a lens of unhealthy. Right. We could but sub so is in excessive workouts. Yes, running, exercise. Else, yes, we could sub in anything because it's just a, a, a vehicle that's taking me away mm-hmm. from whatever it is that I'm trying to escape or that's moving me towards, right? Yeah. Something. Well, that's really interesting. I mean, we're um, you're currently in the middle of your book launch, Powered by Me, and it says from burned out to fully charged in work and in life. And I'm really interested to hear from you, like, again, this idea of being fully charged. I mean, we all like, get that. Charge you, your yeah, electronics. Charge your electronics. Right? You charge your battery. You <laughs> want to be yourself fully charged. You want to be fully charged. But then that means that what's I can drain your meter, What's your meter yeah. at? Like, like, oh, I'm only 83%. Yeah. Uh, so what does it mean to be like fully charged? And how do we how do we begin to get into that space moving, especially from all the other end of the spectrum of burnout? So the way I describe it is wherever you are on the spectrum from burned out to fully charged can be determined by whether you have a net gain or a net drain of energy mm-hmm. on a physical, mental, emotional, social, and spiritual level. So it's really about your energy on all of those levels. Mm-hmm. And the way that you figure out, I, I give you a burnout, it's the awareness prescription for burnout. So each of us is going to have gotten to burnout or drained in our energy in as unique a way as each of us has unique fingerprints. You know, we might make a a small choice that seems like nothing big, like saying yes to another shift at work rather than saying yes to another night of sleep. And so we make these small choices over and over again that will lead us farther and farther away from what matters most to us. And so this experience really is so unique that in the book, what I did is I thought to myself, how am I going to take this global overwhelm of burnout and demystify it? I was going to say simplify it, but there's nothing simple about burnout. It's demystify it and then personalize it to the reader. Because for you right now in your life, Maybe you're feeling a drain on a mental and emotional level, but you have a good social energy. You love the people around you. You feel confident there and you feel good in your physical energy. But you might not be so sure about being connected to the meaning and purpose in your life. You might not trust yourself to take risks as the world moves faster and faster. You might not know exactly what you value most. Those are all in spiritual energy. So let's say Somebody had a physical, emotional, and spiritual drain, net drain, but a mental and social net gain. I want people to understand how to ask themselves the right questions. And as they're answering these questions in each of these energy levels, I want them to also pay attention to their bodies. So use not just your mind, but use also your body's signals because your body's keeping score. And so you want to use both of those together and they need to be in harmony so you can figure out whether you have a net gain or a net drain of energy on one or more of these levels. Then you know where to start. Well, that's... uh... So... Oh, go ahead. I I was just going to say, because once you know where to start, then we can give you powerful practical tools 
to focus in that area. Perfect. I want to come to the powerful practical tools in a second. The book is available for pre-order or depending on when people are consuming the podcast, maybe for order Amazon, Barnes and Noble, everywhere where you buy your books. Uh, so I want to encourage everybody to pick up a copy. Uh, fascinating stuff. I want to get to the powerful practical practices mm -hmm. that we can do. What if I do identify? Well, one before I do that's that. That's the start though. That's the hardest part right. is identifying that you're going down that road. Well, that right? was, yeah, I was like, going to, I want to come, I want to pause there for a second too. Sorry, Neha, this is kind of like what the a podcast with us looks like a little <laughs> bit. Um, what about, I was wondering as you were going through, you know, the physical, the emotional, the, 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 the spiritual, social. social, what about financial? Because mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of times, like that's like one of the drivers for people that, are burned out like they're like it, th they're that's like they're that spinning their wheels yeah that's that hamster wheel like i took up the shift yeah. i did the extra stuff i'm doing everything i can because i'm trying to and get ahead financially and i know that you do a lot of work in the business and entrepreneurial space i'd love to hear your thoughts like financial burnout and financial stress and how that factors in so financial stress more than 77 zero percent of people say that they're experiencing financial stress. Mm. And so it's such a big topic. The way I think about money is money is energy. Mm. Energy, like what are you willing to trade your time, effort, and energy and expertise for? And a lot of people are stuck in their old money history what they learned from their parents, what they saw their parents running away from or thinking made them successful. They have an idea of what money means. What I say to them is, so tell me, what's your dream amount of money? And so they'll give me a number. And I say, okay, so what will getting that, that number in your bank account, what will it give you? Because now I'll know what they really care about. Whatever the, the number doesn't even matter to me. Like they get all squirmish, like, oh, you want a number? Like, oh, you want, yeah, I want a number. Give me a number. Whatever the number is, because by the way, the number always moves in case right. anyone's ever noticed that one. Um, but the number isn't what matters. It's if you achieve that, what will it give you? Because that's what they're really after. So what I write about in the book, I say, listen, Money is such a pervasive source of stress throughout our society. People who don't have enough will tell you that they are so stressed about making ends meet. Of course, people who have a lot tell me I'm worried that I'm going to lose it all, or I'm really worried that people don't actually like me for who I am. They just want to be around me for what my money can give them. And so what I find is people that are resource rich or resource poor, uh, I don't call people rich or poor because I don't believe, I believe that's, that's like a judgment about people. I have found people in the world, whether I'm in India, Bhutan, Africa, I find them, re they might be more resource poor than me, but boy, are they happier. And people who are more resource rich than me are oftentimes not as happy. And so what I've decided is 
that in this book, what I say in the beginning is, listen, money is huge. Financial stress is huge, but you got to go underneath it and figure out your money history, which is what, what beliefs did you grow up with around money and what does money mean to you? And then explore your current relationship with it. Now, I put this in on the resources page of my, uh, there's a website that I built that goes along with the book. And so if anybody wants to download your money history or your relationship with money, you can do that and get more understanding. But here's what I'll say. Money goes across every one of those energy levels. Physical energy, how much of it do you have? Physically, there's numbers. How much do you get paid? Do you feel like it's enough, right? Thoughts, what are your beliefs about money? Is there enough for everyone? Can we share or do I need to have it all to myself? What does it mean about me when I make a million dollars, a hundred dollars, $10? What does it mean about me? And so there's thoughts and beliefs we have about money and whether there's enough of it or not enough. Emotionally, people have ups and downs and swings around their net worth equaling their self-worth mm -hmm. that oftentimes influences how they feel. Socially, the amount of money you have determines oftentimes the social status of what neighborhood you're in, what car you drive, whether you, you know, drive or take a bus or fly economy or business. So we have all these messages that are moving through our world about how much money you have. And then in the spiritual, the spiritual energy, money is an exchange of energy, effort, and passion about what matters to us. And that's where those questions for me really come in, which is, all right, if you got that number, tell me what it would give you. And a lot of times people say freedom or whatever the answer is for them. And so I left, uh, I love Lynn Twist's The Soul of Money. If you guys have ever ever heard, uh, read that book, it's phenomenal. I, I, I think entire books need to be written about this because it integrates on every level. So what I say to the reader is, once you understand where you're having a net gain and a net drain of energy, we can start working on the sources of why you're having that net drain and then we can guide you to other places that might help you, you know, resolve that and heal it. So many great things in there. And it's just got my mind spinning because I'm, I'm with you on that about money being energy and how it impacts us on so many different levels. Um, but I would be remiss if I didn't ask this question. I've got to know, um, because again, the book is about being burned out to fully charge, and I don't want you to give away all the stuff in the book, but you said you have a series of questions that people can ask themselves. I want you to give you our listeners, if you can, one of the most powerful questions you can ask yourself in order to start that movement. Oh, I love that. And by the way, what I think fully charged means, you had asked me that a little bit earlier. I don't think I answered it. Um, to me, it is really feeling like you're living a life that matters to you, in which you feel good, so you feel energized uh, physically, you 
mentally have self-compassion and are kind to yourself and others, uh, you emotionally are able to surf the waves of emotions that come from being human. You socially feel supported and that you have at least one person that you can confide in and speak to that you feel um, you can really trust. And spiritually, that what you do every day matters. And that when you when life happens, that you trust yourself enough to change course and uh, take risks that you need to. And when you meet other humans, you see yourself in them, in the sense that there's a connection. They may not be exactly like you, but there's a connection there. You feel connected to something bigger than you, nature, humanity, whatever it is. So it's about every day taking one step or two to being more who you really are. Well, I want to um, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I should. I, your other question now, uh, Lacey, was around what are the questions I ask you? I'm going to give you more than one. Listen, okay. if we're going to, I'm going to give you at least one from every one of those energy levels. Love it. Because I think that way, anyone who's listening might be able to connect. Oh my God, that's where I'm having a drain and that drain of energy. Um, so let's start with physical, physical energy. Really what I want to know is if you could rate your satisfaction of your physical energy on a scale of one to 10. And this is just about your satisfaction. It's not about being perfect. It's about how satisfied you are with your food, energy, sleep, and movement. So food, are you eating whole foods? Uh, is your body, you know, if you're having reflux, you're having symptoms and things like that, it could really be connected to what you're putting in your body. But how satisfied are you with the food that you're eating and how you're nourishing yourself? Next is you wake up in the morning and feel rested. Are you getting seven to nine hours of sleep? Uh, energy. Do you feel consistent energy throughout the day? Or do you have that three o'clock energy dip, you know, or some part where it starts really tapering off? Um, and movement. Do you have a joyful way to move in your body? Now, just give yourself a score one to 10 with one being not at all and 10 being really satisfied. And just noticing any place that you're having less than a 10, just write down what would make it a 10. Now, when you move to mental, I'm gonna give you a couple of those. So asking yourself, how about just the main one? The main one is write down the top three thoughts that are running on repeat, occupying your mental real estate behind the scenes. When you first wake up in the morning, when you're in the shower, when you're driving down the highway, what's, what's running in the background on your mental real estate? What's, what's being occupied there? And once you write those three down, just write a plus or a minus next to them. Do these thoughts give you energy? or do they drain you of energy? 
If you go to the emotional section, a question I would ask you is, tell me what brings you joy and pleasure and play in your day. Is it your work life? Is it your family life? Is it friends? Is it your alone time? Is it your finances? Is it, what is it? What brings that joy? And on the flip side, tell me where you're avoiding conflict or challenging emotions in your life in the same categories. Because that's where I'm going to be able to figure out where you're, uh, you know, actually having a net gain or a net drain of energy emotionally. Socially, I'd ask you to write down the top five people, groups of people you spend time with in person or online. Just jot them down. Oh yeah, this person, this person, yeah, this pe these people, all right. And then I just want you to stop for a second and I want you to use not only your mind, because you can see what you wrote, but I want you to check in with your body on one of those at a time. That exchange with that person or people, does it leave you feeling energized or feeling drained? Give it a plus or a minus. Just let it go. Don't think so much about it. It's a net sum. I'm pretty aware that you can have, you know, children in your life that give you a lot of love and drain you. <laughs> so let's, let's just say like net, right? What, what's your best guess? So you do that across all five, and then you can see whether you're having a net gain of energy socially or a net drain. And then when we move into spiritual, what I ask you to do is get really clear on your highest values. What matters most to you? And the way that you can do that, if some of you are out there saying, I don't even know how I would do that, a great place to start is, tell me three phrases that if someone said them about you when you weren't in the room, would really matter to you. It would, it would touch your heart if someone said this. So one of them for me is, you know, listen, I am far from perfect, but if someone ever made the comment, wow, Neha really makes a sincere effort to live what she teaches. To me, that would be alignment. And if someone said that about me, boy, that would matter. So you want to come up with three of those, and that'll give you a good clue. If, if you can't think of anything, think about somebody else you admire, just someone in the world or in your life, and tell me three things you admire about them. So I'm going to put you on the spot, one of you guys. Tell me, don't tell me who you admire, but just tell me three qualities. Bring someone to mind that you admire. Don't say, you don't need to say the name. Just tell me three qualities you admire about them. Go. Um, number one, they're always in a space of gratitude. Um, mm. Number two, they have the ability to um, uniquely uncover things um, that oftentimes other people don't see in themselves. Um, and number three, they're a great connector. Oh, I love it. So we got like, they're optimistic. They're insightful and they're a great connector. Yeah. All right. So what's amazing, Lacey just did an example of this for you, but those are some of Lacey's highest values and they are inside her. And the reason I know they're inside her, even though she's naming them about somebody else, is she couldn't recognize them if they weren't. 
True. So your, your ability to see that those are some of your highest values. And so that's how easy it is on the, I try to make it that simple for people to take something as kind of ambiguous as spiritual energy, but kind of make it concrete. Here's another one. I'll ask, I'll ask you this. Um, tell me an area in your life where you take risks. So physical, mental, emotional, social, spiritual, where do you take risks? Everywhere, Sean. <laughs> yeah. Um, Where does he not take risks? Yeah. Not super. Like, well, I guess physical too. Yeah. Yeah. Not all as, of them. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, that's really amazing, Sean. I would say that I take the uh, risks everywhere but physical. And so, what's interesting is when you know where you take risks. This is another part of spiritual energy, which is self trust. These are places that you trust yourself because when you trust yourself, you'll go outside your comfort zone. When you don't have self-trust in these areas, you won't. I don't think I'm that strong physically. And I've been told ever since I was young and couldn't, you know, after 14 years old compete on in gymnastics, I remember thinking my core isn't strong. When I lost a tennis match in high school, I remember them saying it's because your core isn't that strong. And so some belief inside me is like, oh, my core strength is not that strong. I can't do that, you know, extreme sports or whatever it is. And so as I'm saying it to you, I'm really like, oh, Neha, good thing to work on next, like strengthen your core, right? But just noticing where you'll take risks and where you won't, because that's where you have self-trust. And that's a big part of spiritual energy and navigating our world as it's moving faster and faster. It's amazing. Hmm. Why well, didn't mean like jumping out of planes? I meant like- I know, I was thinking I'm de definitely more of a physical yeah. risk taker for sure than you. I meant like, you know, the mm. things that I do, biohack stuff. I tell people yeah. all the time, like, you know, I'm an actual you know we don't really junkie. know. Yeah, yeah, I'm not talking yeah. about that, but I'm talking about, you know, NAD plus and I'm very peptides little, but I think I'm strong. cold yeah. plunges and like, we don't really know what this does to yeah. you. It seems like it's good for you. That's what I mean. <laughs> you, know, you know what I call that in the book? I call that N equals one experiment. Oh. Like you're willing to do an N equals one experiment in the world. There's external data and there's internal data. And I feel that somewhere along the way, when we're little, like we're babies, we're infants, we trust our bodies mm -hmm. when we need to poop, when we need to eat, when we need to sleep, we, we trust ourselves and we let the world outside us know we need it. Mm -hmm. Somewhere along the way though, we start trusting the outside world and equals a uh, double blinded placebo controlled study mm -hmm. with 10,000 people says you should take this drug, right? right? Or you should do this thing. And we're like, oh, well, we must do this thing. But even if my own body says, mm, 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 that doesn't feel right, oftentimes that's overridden. Mm -hmm. And I had to learn the hard way from burning out myself when I was 33 years old, that I had to listen to my internal data, N equals one, and consider the external data. And so my internal data plus external data equals integrated decisions. Mm -hmm. and. I think that that's, um, that's just part of the kind of growth and awareness of our world 
where we we're, we kind of override the internal so we can keep moving. We think faster is better and we got to do more with less. Love it. And, we could talk uh, about this all day. Oh, we could, I know. Yeah, we could talk about this all day. It's super fascinating. I want to remind everybody, though, to pick up a copy of the book. Anywhere where you are purchasing books, you can get your copy of Powered by Me. Yeah, if you want to go on a deeper self-understanding journey of where you are in that scale of burnout to fully charge, I think this is the way that you do it. Neha, tell people how, how they can find you online, how they can connect with you if they want more of this amazing stuff. Where do they get more Neha? <laughs> uh, go to intuitiveintelligenceinc.com and you'll find everything you need there. I love it. Absolutely fantastic. I can't wait to um, hear more about this, to read the book when it comes out. I also hope that we'll be able to collaborate and do some stuff because I think that your, uh, your information, your knowledge mm -hmm. is so vital to people that are struggling out there. Again, um, I know there's so many people that identify with this yeah. that are like, yeah, she is talking to me. And I, I really do hope that you guys will get a copy of the book. I hope that you will connect with Neha and do the work. Um, and do the work. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, at the end of the day, it's not just feeling good, like your health, um, your life actually depends on it. And for those of you in the service world, then the lives of others who you are meant to serve are adversely affected if your battery is not fully charged, charged right? right neha thank you so much for joining us on the none of your business podcast you were a fantastic guest oh thank you guys such an honor to be with you thank you all right everybody well this is every single week i don't know how we top this one but we'll be back again next week to give it a go Lacey and i super value and appreciate you spending this little portion of your week with us each and every week and so we will be back next week with a brand new episode of the None of Your Business Podcast.